Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, May 3rd. Oh man, we're right before Star Wars Day. I know. I didn't even think about that. If until we had this recorded tomorrow. Yeah, that's true. We almost did. And like, would that be more fun or less fun? I guess we could have pretended it was Star Wars Day today and just messed with people. They don't need to know what the real date is right now. It is one of my favorite holidays because especially the past few years, usually something enormous and spectacular gets announced on Star Wars Day. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of speculation, whether it be a new film, a bit more information about the Taika Waititi film. Or maybe like an Andor trailer. I still call it TV because I'm old, but all mm-hmm. kinds of TV stuff. Sometimes it's like a video game trailer and I'm like, I mean, for gamers, that's amazing and so cool. And like, it might be fun to watch it, but then I'm like, ultimately, I'm never going to play whatever this is. I just, not because I'm Ebert, but because like, I don't have modern video games. The video game stuff is funny because recently there was a thread on the old Twitter, a positive thread by cool nerds. A positive Twitter thread. Yeah, I'm really good at finding those. (laughs) I have curated my Elon Musk Twitter thread (laughs) down to... People I like and filmmakers and comedians and comic book artists. It's four people. It's four people, yeah. (laughs) They were talking about how gatekeeping, how nerds are like, oh, you don't even know who Grand Admiral Thrawn is? You can't be a Star Wars fan. (laughs) You could have said any made-up name, too, and it would have sounded like a Star Wars Yeah. (laughs) So there was one recently about, oh, these people don't even know who this character is. (laughs) And I was like, I am nearly ground-level Star Wars. I was one when the first movie came out, so I'm not quite really, because I wasn't a 10-year-old waiting in line for A New Hope or anything like that. But you existed. But I existed, and by the time I was four and seven, I was seeing Empire and Jedi in theaters, and I have a gonk droid tattoo. (laughs) And I had no idea who this character was, who the troll nerds were angry at other people about. If you're gatekeeping against me, you're really on the wrong side of everything. And evidently, it was a video game character. And Ah. I just haven't played these video games. So I'm like, no, you can be a Star Wars fan if you tapped out at the first trilogy, if your first movie was Phantom Menace, if you've only watched the Clone Wars cartoon, (laughs) etc. So I always think about that, of that kind of gatekeeping when people bring up Star Wars video games. And I'm like, well, that's cool. I don't play them, but you're still a fan if you really love that, but don't really follow the Rebels cartoon or whatever. Yeah, and I didn't really keep up with the extended universe, especially not like the books or the comics or anything. I know a lot of people have. When they had that villain character on the Boba Fett show, a lot of people were like, oh my god, because I saw, not spoilers, and it couldn't have been spoiled because I didn't know that character, but people reacting before I saw the episode, and I was like, oh man, who's it going to be? And then, you know, a dude walks in, and I was like, okay, I mean, he looks cool, but this means nothing. Like, I was trying to turn it into a character I knew, and I was like, I don't think this is anyone I know. And then it was neat to see people's excitement and to, like, learn a bit more after the fact. But it is funny. Like, I mean, there's tons, there's probably hundreds of characters I don't know, and I've seen those movies so many times. Yeah, I can't imagine nobody knows that twist yet, but I'm not even going to say the character, (laughs) just in case. But when that happened... I was sitting at home watching with Gwen. We love it. We're all in. We love Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni, and we're so Mm. proud of those nerds. And it was this great Western scene. Very good, bad, and the ugly. Very spaghetti Western. Mm -hmm. And our hero is out there, and then there's someone coming on the horizon. And at that point, my brain was, this could be eight different characters. Mm -hmm. And then when it ended up being who it was, I was just thrilled. (laughs) And... Some people say that's fan service, and I'm like, 
isn't that what this is supposed to be? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you made me happy. Well, yeah, and you, if you've seen Clone Wars and Rebels and whatever, you know, all that other stuff, which I've seen some of, but it's yeah. just, there's so much. Like, yeah. I can't keep up with all of it. And if you haven't seen it, you're just like, there's a cool new Western guy. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, who wouldn't like a, he's blue, I think, if I've yeah. not, yeah. yeah. Who wouldn't like a blue gunslinging alien guy? Right? Yeah. Like, but to go back to Star Wars Day specifically, mm-hmm. I think it's so funny, and I don't know the, ground one origin but it's a dumb joke yeah some stand-up comedian said may the fourth be with you i don't know it's a dumb joke it's not even funny really no (laughs) and it's now become an actual thing in which lucasfilm announces stuff in which disney plus has curated a bunch of stuff for you to watch in which comic publishers put out comics it's so funny that something that started as a gag is now a real thing just like Christmas. Yeah. You know, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's pretty crazy. But it, it makes the most sense that they've latched onto it, especially now that they own everything. And yeah. It's, it's it's kind of like hilarious to me that, see, I don't think Lee goes every year. And he's not going to like a May the 4th thing this year, but he's going to whatever, a Star he's Wars going celebration. To Star Wars celebration in that's Anaheim. A, that's different, right? That's not. Yeah. That's like, that's the big convention. Yeah. And that's at the end of May. So. <laughs> but so it's still May though. It's so still like, May. So is it is it like May 20th when I think Star Wars came out? I think it is. Yeah, I think he said, here's the big news from Lee. I wish okay. he was here. Oh, here we go. Lee mortgaged the house. So <laughs> Again. he has a photo op and a autograph with Ewan. Okay, okay. So he said on the day that the new Obi-Wan shows out, because as usual, we have to publicize Disney Plus because yeah. they need all our help. Damn it that he will be hanging out with Ewan for a little bit. And I can't wait to see that photo. I don't know what the photo is with distance rules. If Ewan is going to have a piece of plastic between him and Lee so they can't hug, I don't know. No other guests they're doing that with, just Lee. (laughs) He's like, I I really need a little more space. This guy's a little too excited. But Ewan seems like a lovely guy with the fans. So I think that'll be fun for Lee. I think it'll be a neat photo. It's not going to be... Poor old Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a, I just watched a movie. Uh, I think it was called Mad Dog Time, and it yeah. was with everyone's in it. Right, My God. right. And we watched it for Bad Movie Night yesterday, and it had like Kyle MacLachlan and Burt Reynolds without a mustache. What? Yeah, that was the most shocking part of it, to be honest. And like Jeff Goldblum, but like in his Mr. Frost era when he was kind of quiet evil, like around Flyish time a little bit later. Yeah. And just like crazy cast, but it was produced by, and it, I'm not going to say co-starring, cameoed by Richard Dreyfus. Okay. And it's just so funny because like even in that, he doesn't look really happy and it kind of reminds me of Lee's photo with him. I wish that Richard Dreyfus was a happy old man the way that Michael Caine is or slightly younger old man like Sam Neill or Jeff Goldblum. But if you want to look at something and go, oh, just Google Richard Dreyfus comic-con photo op or something like that because it's just unlike you know you look at nate fillion you look at jeff goldblum their photo ops they're having fun they're smiling they're Mm -hmm. hugging they're doing whatever this is poor richard dreyfus propped up on a stool just (laughs) looking like he's thinking I was in Jaws. Like Weekend at Bernie's style, <laughs> propped up. 100%. Yeah. You know, he's like, he doesn't even want to autograph my Mad Dog Time DVD, like, <laughs> for some reason. It makes me sad. It makes me sad because we're laughing because we're monsters. But but you see other old celebrities, and even if they're not superstars, even if they're on that circuit of Comic-Cons, they're still having fun. They're still yeah. enjoying themselves. They're still having interactions with fans and 
doing documentaries and doing whatever but yeah and like even mcgregor doesn't have to do this either oh. i mean i say that but it's quite possible this was in his contract to do the obi-wan series where you're like okay you got to do this but in theory he doesn't have to do this and that's he's what i'm thinking so yeah. successful and like but you never hear any ill things about him whatsoever ever at all like he seems to be one of those just genuinely great guys well i was talking about that where a little while ago and i can't remember the movie I would have looked it up if I would have known we would have been talking about this right now. <laughs> we but never know what we're going to talk about anyway. Michael Keaton passed through the greater Ottawa area a few years back, maybe time's a blur, but five or six years ago. And it was for some small independent film. It was shot out in Orleans, out in the burbs somewhere. And a friend of mine is a costume designer and she works on, I think we've mentioned it before, just all these Christmas movies that are in town. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, with no disrespect to those Christmas movies, she works on a real movie. <laughs> so when I knew Michael Keaton was in town, and we tried, it was a long shot. We were like, I wonder if he could come by and introduce Beetlejuice or something, but we just couldn't get a hold of him. But I hesitantly asked her. I was like, I don't even want to ask this question, but <laughs> is Michael Keaton cool? <laughs> and she was, good news, he's the best person you've ever met he's kind to the crew he shows up on time he doesn't throw coffee at people <laughs> and he's michael keaton he is that bruce wayne kind of funny guy that you would think he would be and it's so nice to hear that because i would have been crestfallen to hear oh no he showed up an hour late he was yelling at everybody he was drunk you know yeah because like orleans is not the hollywood of ottawa so no. it's like he could easily be like i'm too good for this you know whatever but yeah he's probably staying at whatever hotel is out in orleans yeah. i didn't even know to be honest but... man lee would have offered his house up in a second <laughs> yeah. oh my god so it's nice to hear these stories of veterans who have not given up on the game yet no, and, and speaking of local films, we got big news about the film I was in. Yeah. Which is now, they dropped the trailer, and the release date is May, Friday the 13th. Whoa. I'm like, what? So I'm like, you know, I'm not, I don't expect that we're going to get the premiere to go along with Friday the 13th part four. Four, yeah. Yeah, but I was just like, because this has been, it got distribution last year, I think, or whatever, and I thought maybe they'd do a late Oscar push, but then it didn't happen. And so I was like, man, I really, when is this going to come out and I can like act like a real big shot for the one scene that I'm in? <laughs> and then it, they finally just surprise dropped the trailer last week, I think. And I'm like, already it's cool that it's coming out and it's getting great reviews. But to think that a movie I was in is dropping on Friday the 13th is so cool. So on a sliding scale of you not being cut from the film, yeah, what's the chances of you... As a police officer, what is it? Searching for a body in the woods or something? It, more or less. You know, and I, and I would never want to be a spoiler, of no, course. No, no spoilers. But, no. But, so it's basically like it was filmed at the, I'm just going to call it the old quarry. Like, I'm sure there's several <laughs> of them. It was at a quarry, you know, by uh, Kanata. Okay. And so we were basically up at the top, the edge of the quarry, I guess. And then the actors or whatever are down in the bottom of the quarry. That felt like very far away. But I mean, you're at the top of a quarry. So what do you want? We were basically up and it's dark and we got flashlights. I play a cop, you know, so I'm obviously the bad guy. Got the flashlights and whatever. So it's like, it's going to be dark. You're not going to see my face. But then again, I mean, movie cameras are very impressive these days. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to assume at best you'll see my outline. But I'm in the big finale ending part of the movie. I mean, if you're going to be in one part, like at least you're in the big finale, I guess. But I'm definitely, 
I mean, you know me, I'm going to be taking zoomed in screenshots and I'm going <laughs> yeah. to find myself, but I definitely like, I'm not expecting a lot of screen time. Maybe I'll get like a quarter of a second. If only it was daytime, that would have helped a lot. Yeah. Or if it was in like a police station. Yeah. Or anything like, I don't know at that point. Cause when I went, it was 4 PM. I didn't know it was a night shoot until I was there for 12 hours. And then like we left at God. five in the morning, six in the morning or something like we finished. So it's just one of those things where you're like. It's not what I pictured, but it was cool. Making and, movies is the worst. Oh my god, <laughs> the yeah. worst. And, and like, and it was funny to me. Like, it, you talk about you know working on a real movie. I just thought it was funny to like get to be in this and to get to be in Lee's movie, which is one hundred percent a real movie as well. But like, it's so funny to be. I loved working on Lee's movie because I was like hands on. I wasn't just acting. I was holding lights, doing all this stuff, you know? And then when you're on that Hollywood production or Hollywood, whatever, I don't want to break something. I don't want to stand in the wrong spot. I'm like a little nervous at times, you know? So it was like, it's funny, like what you think of as, oh, this is more legitimate or whatever. It's like, oh, this, you know, this is like a U.S. production or whatever. And it's like, we think this is some big thing. But I actually had more fun working on Lee's movie and actually contributing to a more like, local more fun type of thing and it's it's funny because uh, it would have been cool to work on that other movie too but i don't know there's just so much the intriguing aspect of independent film is like way more enticing to me yeah and when you're on a small film for better or for worse you're all helping each other out yeah there's blurs in lines of what jobs are where say somebody's at the top of a ladder fixing a light you might just be nice and hold that ladder but on a big union shoot you're like, no, you don't touch that ladder. That's yeah. somebody else's job. Yeah. So there's all those lines in the sand and there's different camps and stuff like that. Whereas on a little movie, it's just like, I worked a little bit on Lee's movie, but I went from almost just hanging out, being a production assistant one day, doing sound, holding the boom a bit, helping wrangle extras. I helped get a whole bunch <laughs> of extras for that last scene. So that's technically casting. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to get a credit of, but I just told him, I joked with him where he's like, oh, you're going to get a big special thanks in the movie. And I was like, I want Josh Stafford presents, <laughs> you know, at the top. But working on big movies has its pluses as well, because I've worked on a couple of bigger productions or TV pilots where the main thing you're like, wow, the craft service is incredible. Yeah. And you're like, this is where the budget is going because we're all eating lobsters and chocolate milk and cake yeah. and... Yeah, well, and it's it's funny, too, because, like, when you're doing background, a lot of it is just sitting around waiting for something to happen. Like, you're not even outside for a lot of it. You're just wrangled in when, you know, they shot here and they had people at Targ not getting into play video games, you know? That would have been so sad. Yeah, like, we were basically <laughs> in, a, in a small warehouse just literally waiting for hours, and then you go out, and then it's, like, getting darker and darker. Then you go out and you shoot for... I don't know, an hour maybe? Yeah. And yeah. then you stand around for a lot of time and it was starting to get cold. And so it's one of those things. It's like, I don't know. I had more fun in Lee's movie where it's just like everything's happening and then there's a problem and you need to figure out a way to fix it. And you always do. Like there's always a solution. And I guess like I prefer that. It's a little bit like my job actually too. Like where it's like, you know, I have my job, but then there's just stuff you'd never expect. And like, you know, like, okay, how do we problem solve here? It's like, now nah, this person needs this and that and that. And I just, I kind of love the wackiness of it because it's just, some people can't work in situations like that. They're like, this is what's going to happen. And that's all that's going to happen. And we need you to do that. But for me, I'm like, I kind of almost get bored with that. I prefer the weirdness. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the biggest thing on the bigger the movie you get, it's the hurry up and wait aspect. Mm -hmm. And you might have more of a budget and you might have more help, but on a big movie, it's just the time is so weird because you might be like, okay, we're lighting this scene. How long is that going to take? An hour. 
So then it's just a whole bunch of people not doing stuff. Whereas often on a little no budget movie, you're like, how long to like the scene? Ah, uh, good enough. Let's go. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, you're just, it makes me think of like uh, Ed Wood, just like, all right, we got it, you know, cut print. Ed Wood, despite being on a sliding scale from drama to comedy, there's still some dramatics in there, but a comedy is the most truthful thing you'll ever see about making movies because just that, just that sense of nobody knowing what's going on, but soldiering through it <laughs> and having a bunch of misfits trying to all work together with their weird skills to come with a final product. Stuff like Ed Wood is very true, shockingly true if you look at it. And I've been on sets where I was working on a CBC thing once and I was a camera assistant and it was a new camera. It was years ago when kind of digital cameras were really coming in to be. And the cinematographer, he just had these stories of being on the fly, being on various Cronenberg movies in various camera positions and now he was a cinematographer as this guy in his 50s and there was a team of high-paid people standing around this camera trying not to look panicked at one point and i swear going through a manual so none of them knew what was wrong none of them knew how to fix it but they were just calm and they got it figured out but that shows you that if you're ever in a position no matter what your job and you don't know what's going on there's a lot of other people like that too. Yeah. And you should just not panic and you'll get through it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it always works, you know, even when COVID delays your production for years, you know, Leaf still pulled it off. And now I have two movies to look forward to that yeah. I was in. And I mean, at least that's the other thing I like about Lee's movie. I'll actually see myself in that one. So that's already huge. You know what I noticed? And I haven't looked into this. I just happened to be doing something on IMDb or looking for somebody on IMDb. And I noticed they started crediting podcasts on imdb oh wait so we can get we can hook ourselves up then that's what i'm thinking yeah because i've already like i don't have an imdb yet but i'm coming in hot with two movies and a podcast oh that's what i was doing somebody probably from the animation company was kind enough to put my dc superhero girls credit on imdb Ah. but the problem was they put it and it was a brand new josh oh no but i'm already on there for various projects that i've worked on so I went on to IMDb, and it was easier than I thought. We'll see if this works. And I just basically put, hi, I'm this other Josh I'm the Stafford. the real Josh. And this Josh Stafford is my credit. So you can erase that one and put that writing credit onto mine, please. So that's what I did. And while I was there, I was looking at something, and I noticed that somebody who has, I don't know, David Tennant has a podcast. Everybody has a podcast. Kevin Smith has a podcast. And I noticed they were crediting podcast appearances. The same way that they would uh, an appearance on Colbert or Daily Show. So I'm going to look into it, but I'm like, ooh, maybe we can get on there now. And then they're going to give a third Josh Stafford that yeah. one. And yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so hard. It's like, also, I was in Mad Dog time. Please credit <laughs> me immediately. But yeah, because and Lee's on there for all of his stuff. Once upon a time, it was way easier to get on IMDb because mm. you could just type stuff in. And there was all these funny credits where nerds would just go on and give themselves the credit as like, background fraggle operator and they would just put it on there man and i think they've kind of cleaned that up a bit and i think even i just going on with my indie credits they'll be like oh yeah he's a real guy yeah but yeah so i'm curious i want to see if we can get us on there now yeah i gotta get in on that and then i still wanted to be in a uh, christmas movie they've been shooting a couple this week but i'm just like i should probably work my actual job instead of being <laughs> yeah. in mistletoe time machine but you know are you in contact with a casting person like y- y- kind of yeah like it's like a like a background yeah casting so you could thingy. say theoretically you could be like hey because you don't want to work 
two 16 hour days in yeah. between five hour work days. But Oof. you could say, Hey, is there like a little thing where it's like a few hours sitting in a restaurant or something? Or they, And it's funny you say that because the restaurant across the street from my job was filming a, an Oprah eating show. I don't, that's not an eloquent way to describe <laughs> that's it. But the that's the title. <laughs> I think it was like holiday bake off or something like that. And they were filming it for weeks, literally across the street. I was telling my wife, and she's like, oh, do you want to do that? And I was like, well, I should probably get paid more to do my actual job across the street. But I mean, sitting there for hours would be interesting. That's the eternal struggle of actors. And that's why the cliche of working in a restaurant or something like that works when you have kind of flexible hours, because just getting that foot in the door. I'm sure in a city, maybe it's getting better and better. Like there's more and more stuff filming. Maybe if you really got your feet in there, you could actually somewhat make a living as an extra in Ottawa. because. There's a dozen Christmas movies filming every year Mm -hmm. and more and more other stuff coming to town. And I don't know where this stands, but I heard they were going to actually build a studio. Yeah. But I don't know where that stands now. But yeah, maybe you could almost make a living as and every once in a while get a job of being like your coffee, sir. Yeah. And make a little more money. The longer that you're in stuff as a background, then you'll actually be accredited, you know, like a actor or whatever, you know, and then you'll actually start to make a bit of bank. Yeah. But you think you need like a a speaking role or 20 background roles or something. I don't know. There's some weird thing about it. Yeah. And it is, I know, like many a job where it's like, to get into the union, you need an acting gig, but to get an acting gig, you need to be in the union. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I might I might be able to jump the line because I have a speaking role in Lee's movie. So I don't oh. know if that gets me in. I don't know. We'll have to talk about that. That might. That yeah. might. If you're like, I played this specific character with a speaking role. Yeah. I shared a scene with Lloyd Kaufman. He's famous. Yeah. And then and did various, I did lighting and sound. <laughs> yeah. And like, so yeah, we'll see. That might be my in. Okay, let's... I just noticed the the time on the wall. (laughs) It's it's all right. Let's very quickly mention the movies coming here from Friday, May 6th through Thursday, May 12th. Oh, right before. Right right before before my big movie comes out. (laughs) (laughs) So we have interesting, diverse movies this week. No U.S. film this week, which I think is pretty cool. Interesting. So first off, our retro movie this week is Once Upon a Time in China, the Hong Kong classic. This is a neat story because this digital restoration was helped along because the Mayfair had a film print of Once Upon a Time in China. Oh, wow. Oh, this is that one. This is that one. Okay, because I remember you talking about this. So we're screening it digitally because more and more screening a film is getting to be impossible because there's no projectionist, etc. And to be honest... They might still have our film print because that happened fairly recently. So an interesting bit of Mayfair trivia is that we helped this beautiful restoration from Criterion come to be. So we probably have a credit in the credits? I think we do. I know we have a credit in the box set. Okay. And God, I didn't even think about that. I wonder if it has... Because often these movies will have a... 2022 digital yeah. restoration team and it lists all the people who did the hard-working tech jobs of cleaning it all up the so post credits credits basically we better be in there yeah that'd be fun but you gotta wait quite a while to get to the very very end of the credits but who doesn't wait for the whole credits yeah yeah so then we have three newer films the ottawa premiere is a canadian film called kicking blood which is a new take on the vampire genre. Oh, right. That's the because it always makes me think of like a blood fist type thing, like one of those Van Damme 80s movies. It does. I'm <laughs> curious to see it of why the kicking is in there. Because you're right, it does sound like a, 
a fight film. Yeah, and maybe there's some fighting. We don't know, but I mean, it does sound good. Yeah, but like the TIFF blurb equates it to George A. Romero and Stuart Gordon. Oh, okay. Both great. So it's something in there. Another cool Canadian film that, as we snobbishly said a few weeks ago, we don't need to be part of a Canadian film day. We show Canadian films all the time. Exactly. And I mean, no one else is getting this one. I mean, this sounds right up my alley with the kicking and the blood. The kicking and blood. <laughs> they're like, they're saying all the right things. And a female lead. So you got that cool oh, horror I tradition. I never even knew about that. This is just great. Yep. So then we have another Canadian film. Hey. All My Puny Sorrows, which is a film about two sisters and the aftermath of one attempting to commit suicide. Oh, gee, what? Hey. Come on, Canada. Come on, uh, <laughs> what is this? I thought, I wish it had been punny, you know, instead of puny, and it was like pun-based humor. Instead, you're coming at me with suicide. But on the heels of that, I will say I saw the trailer, and it does definitely have dark comedy elements to it. It's fair. The lead is Alison Pill, who is... Oh, I love who we all know from Scott Pilgrim. Any Trekkie right now knows that she's on yeah. the Picard show. So she's the snarky sister to the sister who almost committed suicide. Okay. Not the suicide one. She's the other one. And there's a part in the trailer in which she is teasing her sister saying, well, I read the letter. I'm happy that I made the list. And then teasing her about failing at suicide. So, you know, content warning that it is... It is a suicide-based film, but it's also about sisterhood and that family drama. The reviews are stellar. Yeah. And many review warn that of say, like, yes, it is heavy, but don't worry. It's not 90 minutes of pure depression. And there's a lot of laughs and heartfelt stuff in it as well. And ironically, on the count of three, the movie I was in is also a suicide-based dark comedy. You were mentioning that, yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of funny that I'm like on about this, and I was like, oh wait, I'm literally in this thing coming out in one week. But <laughs> I'm in that too. But still, no, I mean, it's good. They did have like a trigger warning before the trailer, which was kind of cool, so. And this Alison Pill movie, All My Puny Sorrows, it won Best Picture Editing and Sound Editing at the Directors Guild of Canada, oh. and was nominated for Feature Film. And at the Writers Guild of Canada was nominated for Best Feature Film. Oh. So good pedigree there. Yeah, that's going well. So then finally this week, a film from Iran that looks really interesting. It almost looks like a cliche of a of like a Hollywood sitcom-y kind of film. It's a road trip movie. It's a family PG-rated road trip movie. From Iran. But from Iran. Okay. And it won Best Film at the London Film Festival. It has 10 out of 10 from Film Threat, 5 stars from Cineview, and 4 out of 4 stars from RogerEbert.com. I saw the trailer. It looks super funny. And just with that nice twist of a look at family life from a different culture, from a different country. So although it being a subtitled film, sometimes those get the highbrow. People get afraid of them just because of that, just because they don't want to read a movie, which I always think is crazy. But this looks like just a really fun Again, PG-rated film. The poster is a kid hanging out of the roof of a car, just screaming joyously. And the trailer just looks like very much like a dad and a mom and a punk kid in the back of the car and going on a road trip. I'm glad we got a hold of, of a nice lighter film yeah, during these times. And it's not like they pull the rug out from under you and then there's like a horrible twist or something. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't need that. So yeah, so three new films, two Canadian, one from Iran. And then a classic martial arts film from Hong Kong. So that's neat that this week we get to be like, we don't even have one Hollywood offering. Partially, one is partially brought to you by the Mayfair Theater in a way by finding that print. 
yeah, God, I hope we're in there now. Now yeah. I want to get that claim to fame of having the Mayfair in a Criterion movie that we see here. You're getting obsessive about it now. You maybe <laughs> yeah. you can get an IMDb credit for being involved with the Mayfair who was involved with getting the print. Yeah, can can a landmark be on IMDb? How does that work? I don't know. We'll find out. We're trying to get a podcast on there, first of all. So like, one thing at a time. One more step towards fame and fortune. Yeah, we're going to get there someday. So we're going to wrap up just because... Eric is a trooper and is here on his lunch break. This is literally my fun for the day. I didn't even eat. I like shotgunned a cliff bar on the way here. And now this is this is my fun as I dash back for a second bus. That'll keep you alive. Yeah, no, that's all I needed. I was like, just enough energy to get through this. And then I can collapse on the bus on the way home. So thanks for listening, everybody. You can find updated information about us at MayfairTheater.ca and on all the social media. Hopefully, if you are abandoning one social media, the other social media hasn't become owned by a questionable evil person yet. But worst case scenario, go to the website, get a subscription to the newsletter, and you'll get all the information you need. As we were hinting at earlier, we haven't officially announced it yet, but probably today, moments from now, I will do up all the information for the next Friday the 13th movie. Oh, come on. And we'll talk all about that next week. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you soon back at the Mayfair Theater for awesome movies on the big screen. Bye. Bye. Oh, I did a cage double bill of It Could Happen to You and Bringing Out the Dead. Oh. Because I thought maybe it would be fun to see him as a cop and then an ambulance guy right after. And then I was like, hey, I played a cop too, so I'm basically Cage. You're as good as Cage. I've made it. In 1891, China was beset by invaders from the West. All that stood between democracy and slavery was one man, Wong Fei Hong. In 1991, Hong Kong's greatest action auteur, Choi Hark, unleashed the blockbuster that set a new standard for epic filmmaking. Now, on its 10th anniversary, the movie that made Jet Li an instant superstar finally comes to the United States in its original version, presented for the first time in its complete, unedited version, featuring 22 minutes of scenes never before seen, newly translated subtitles, and English credits. And if you've never experienced the thrills, the comedy, the spectacle, the romance, the pure adrenaline rush of a real Hong Kong movie. This is where you begin. Jet Li, you and you, Rosamund Kwan, Yan Yi Kwan, Kent Chang. <laughs> And Jackie Chung. Troy Hart's Once Upon a Time in China.